morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Bob Cheatham, and this is my bride, Pam. And uh, we have been coming to Seminole Community Church for a little over 20 years, uh, give or take. And uh, we really love this church. We really do. Any particular reason why you love the church? I just love the congregation. Um, uh, it's just I feel very happy here. I feel um, content, and I, I get a great message from Pastor Jerry. Mm. We've also been very fortunate to uh, to have been leading uh, small groups for a little over five years, and uh, that's been a big surprise to both us and probably to God as well. Uh, but but we really enjoy it, and uh, we hope that uh, the people that come to our small group uh, have enjoyed it as well. We're looking forward to getting started again. And today, we have been asked to uh, read a chapter out of the Bible. And what is that? It is James chapter 1, verse 19 through 27. And it's listening and doing. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey... It is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. <laughs> they are so awesome. And they always look like that, just so color-coordinated, like they're ready for People are like, did you guys hire, like, professionals to do that? I said, no, man, we just have some good-looking people around here, at least the ones that we asked to read Scripture. Um, so if you don't ever get asked, I don't know. Uh, I'm only kidding. Um, take out your outline. Those of you who are worshiping here, um, grab your outline and grab a pen. And let me just encourage those of you who are watching online, um, go ahead and hit pause right now. You can come right back to it. Just hit pause and grab yourself a pen and grab yourself, um, print off that outline. Um, in fact, if you don't have one of these WW SeminoleChurch.com pens, I mean, these are like at everybody's house. Don't y'all all have these at your house? Yeah, it's like scores of them. Um, that's okay. You know, spread them around the bank or wherever, and we appreciate that. We started this series about five weeks ago, and we've been talking about how 2020 has been one of the most challenging years of most of our lives, right? My wife said to me, you know, this is like one of the hardest years ever. I'm like, I'm not, you're not kidding. I said, I said, I hope that we don't get 20 years in the future and we look back and like 2020 only ranks like in the top five. And well, that'd be terrible. I mean, this is like, we're all counting on, this is the worst one ever, right? Shh, I know. Um, people have really been struggling this year. Maybe you're struggling. It's okay if you are. Um, this is a very difficult year. You got the pandemic, you got the protest, you got the, the political polarization all around us. It's enough to make just regular, healthy people just want to give up. And for those of us who have any kind of issues at all, it's been very discouraging on so many fronts. So we started this series five weeks ago called Faith Works, and this changes everything. And we're learning how to develop a faith that works even when life around us doesn't seem to be working very well like it is right now. And I told you that the book of James will help us to strengthen our faith and will help to build our faith. And we need a faith that works, especially, I mean, we need a faith that works in any stage of life or any circumstance, but especially 
in one of these gigantic storms of life like we're going through. And one of the reasons why I like James so much, it's one of my favorite books, is it's a lot like Proverbs. It's very, very practical. James, although it was written 2,000 years ago, James talks about things that apply to our lives in 2020. It's been true for 2,000 years, and I, I think... If Jesus tarries, it would still be applicable 20 years, 2,000 years from now. In the year 4020 or 4040. Man, does anybody want to be here then? He deals with topics like how to, how to deal with problems. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. How to make decisions. How to deal with temptation. We talked about that last week. How to treat people right. One of the things he spends almost half a chapter on is, is how to control your mouth. I hope there's a lot of people who are here that weekend, right? How to avoid arguments, how to handle your money, how to pray, how to have great relationships. James is just so practical at every turn, almost every verse. So we're going through the five chapters of James, 108 verses in James, pretty well verse by verse. And I told you that James was written to a group of people who were under enormous stress, and that's why I feel like it applies to us so well today. These people were actually in a crisis, not a global pandemic, but a global persecution. The Roman Empire had declared that Christianity was illegal, and they were rounding up and arresting Christians, and if you didn't denounce your faith, you could and probably would be put to death. So Christianity was scattered all over the Roman Empire, Believers were not allowed to meet together as they had in the past. There are some states in our country believers aren't allowed to meet right now. And they were scattered. They were meeting from home to home to home, just like many of you are meeting virtually for church in your home. And the Christian church was under more stress than it had been at any other time in history up until that point. So the Apostle James, who, as I mentioned, is the half-brother of Jesus, he writes this short letter at the end of the New Testament, and he writes it to encourage these believers who are under stress and to give them hope. We're going to look at that word hope a couple of times today. He wanted them to be able to not just survive a crisis, but to thrive in a crisis. So today I want us to look at what do you do or what can we do to have a faith that works when the circumstances of life make us feel unstable, when we're feeling a little insecure, when we're feeling unstable due to all the changes that we're going through. There are so many changes happening in our society today, in our world today. So I'm titling this message, How to Survive the Storms of Life. Now, it already seems like a month ago, but just last weekend, we dodged a bullet, didn't we? With that hurricane, the eye hurricane, not the eye of the hurricane, but the Isaias, 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 you know, giving me a, a hurricane that I can't pronounce the name. It was very difficult for me. And we dodged a bullet. And when, here in Central Florida, it was, it was a nothing burger. Would you have like one palm blow down from your tree? You know, a couple of people had a couple of. Chairs, their lawn chairs blew over. I think they did that on purpose just for the selfie opportunity. I mean, it was, we, we not only we didn't lose power, you know, it, it was barely even a breeze here. But if you had gotten all your gear out, if you had gotten prepared, I told Nancy, I don't prepare until they name it. And when they name it, I say, okay, now that it's named, I'm not going to really get ready until it turns into an H, not just an S, storm versus hurricane. And I woke up and it's an H. And I'm like, all right, so I've got to at least make sure I've got oil and gas for my generator. I've got to at least make sure I know where my polite clips are. I've got to at least make sure, you know, I'm counting all my boards, make sure they're all ready to go. And we stay prepared kind of a thing. But if you're prepared, you're not going to put all that away, right? You're not going to, like, store it up because it's hurricane season. Even though we're at the earliest time we've ever had an I-named storm, we know there's going to be more storms in 2020. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to turn on the news. We're gonna have to keep you know the hurricane centers track of so what do they call it the the cone of catastrophe? No, the cone of uncertainty. 
whatever that cone of silence is, whatever it is, we've got to keep track of that, right? I know, it's one of those things where if you're a Floridian, you kind of live life and you keep one eye over there. But we know we're going to face more storms. And the truth is, even though we're in the storm of our life in 2020, folks, this will not be the last storm that we experience. I hope it's the worst storm we ever experience. There's no guarantee of that. What if this storm is getting us ready for that storm? Oh, my. Don't say it. Some of you, it's been a triple whammy because you're not only experiencing the COVID storm. I can't tell you how many of my friends have found out this year that they have cancer, that they have a heart issue, that they have some other disease that they're fighting. And the health storm, or maybe you're facing a financial storm because of your industry going away or not being allowed to open, or maybe your company has downsized and they're like, hey, we did without you for eight weeks, so we're going to keep it that way, right? We, you know, we like it better around here without you, apparently. And um, so people are facing financial storms. They're certainly facing re- relational storms, marriage storms. I've got to tell you, 2020 has rocked every marriage. I mean, you can have the most great marriage, the great, you know, zippity-doo-dah, the best, the best marriage ever, and it's still going to make you grouchier. It's still going to make you shorter with people. It's still going to make you more frustrated and worried. And if you find yourself snapping at your kids and snapping at your wife or being snapped at or bitten by your wife, you know, whatever, welcome to the planet. That's just all of us, okay? We're all going through this. And I don't want you to feel bad. I don't want you to feel like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do. James is going to tell us what to do, but first Jesus is going to tell us what to do. How do you anchor your life on something that's going to give you stability when the inevitable storms come, like the one that we're dealing with now? Jesus answered that question at the end of his very famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It goes over three chapters. And at the end of his Sermon on the Mount... This is how Jesus ends it. I want to read this scripture from Matthew before we jump back into our flow of James. Matthew 7, verse 24 to 27. It'll be on the side screens. It'll be on the screen if you're watching from home. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching, this is Jesus talking, anyone who listens to Jesus' teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds his house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds his house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now those of us who... Grew up in Sunday school. Anytime we read this scripture, there's a song that plays in our mind. Do y'all know this song? The wise man built his house upon the rock. Wise man built his house upon the rock. Wise man built his house upon the rock. The rains came tumbling down. You don't know it? Rains came down, flood came up. Rains came down, flood came up. Rains came down. And the house on the rock stood firm. That's not the fun part. The fun part is... The foolish man built his house upon the, rock, on the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. Rains came down, floods came up, rains came down. And the house on the, this is the favorite part, and the house on the sand went splat! <laughs> splat! Every boy in children's church loved that splat moment. Has your life gone splat? Has your marriage Splat. Is your relationship with your kids? Splat. You've got to evaluate today whether you've been building your life on the rock or have you been building your life on some shifting sands. There's two ways to build your life. And if you've been building it the wrong way, today's a great day to reevaluate to recommit and to start over. Because Jesus said 
the storms of life will come. Now, let me just be very clear. This is not a theoretical thing. Sometimes when I teach this, everybody's life is going like hunky-dory, and they're like, oh, someday a storm will come. I have time to get ready. Folks, you realize we're in the storm. The storm's not coming. We're in the middle of the storm. Now, if you've been built on sand, it's hard to rebuild on the rock during the middle of a storm, but even though it's hard, it's doable. We're going to talk about what you've got to do. And Jesus says there's three external forces that will collapse, splat our lives, splat our marriage, splat our family. Three things. He says there are torrential rains, there's fierce winds like a hurricane or a tornado, and there's, there's rising flood waters that submerge everything. Now think about that. The rain came from the top, hits the roof. The winds... Torrential winds come from the side, hit the sides and the windows, and the floods come and attack our foundation. From every single side all around us, 360 degrees, you're being attacked. Your marriage, your family, your kids, your career, all of that right now. Today, those three kinds of forces that are beating you and beating your family, trying to tear up your life and tear up your relationships, the first is the culture that we live in. We've never had a culture like this culture. I've been on the planet for 53 years. I've never seen America like this. The second is the changes that we're living with. You can't imagine the change that we're going through just in this one year. And the third is the crisis that we're living through. The culture we live in, the changes we live with, and the crisis we're living through. There's a pandemic all around the whole world. It's a planetary problem the only way to make it through these storms is to be anchored to be fixed to be built on something solid solid rock that doesn't change and there's only one thing on this planet that will never change i'll say that again there is only one thing on this planet that never changes it's not death and taxes there's one thing that'll outlast Death and taxes is the truth of God's word. God's word is the only thing on this planet that is going to outlast death, taxes, and everything you see, everything you've ever seen or ever will see, God's word is going to outlast it. And if it was true 3,000 years ago, it will be true 3,000 years from now. It's the truth. It's eternal. It's the only thing that's solid enough for us to build our lives, build our families, build our marriages, build our careers, build upon the only thing that's reliable. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope as an anchor. Circle the word hope. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. You can underline firm and secure. God wants to give us something to anchor our lives in, to build our lives upon, that will give us stability and security when everything else in the world is flying off the planet. When everything else is flying off the charts, flying up in the air. Psalm 119.81 says, I long for you to rescue me. That's what we sang about this morning. Your word is my only hope. Circle only hope. Notice, hope is not based on opinion. Hope is not based on circumstances. Hope is not based on personality. Hope is based on something that never, never changes. That's what gives us stability in the midst of a crisis. So that's what we're going to look at today. How do I anchor myself on God's word? How do I build my life, my marriage, my family, my career on God's word? So that it's not blown away in a storm like the crisis that we're facing now. Well, James answers this in the end of the first chapter of James. And he gives us very practical steps. Now, look. This is not new. I'm not going to tell you anything today that you've never heard before. But sometimes we need to go back to what we already know is the truth. We need to go back to the basics. We can get so smart, so spiritually mature, we call it. We can get so intellectualized that we're looking for all these little nuances in the Bible. And people are going, well, the Hebrew word for it. And, and you're into all these little new things. And, and you leave the basics 
You know, the basics, Jesus said, the number one thing, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're not loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and all your neighbor as yourself, but you know all these little other things, you're just a little too smart for your britches, maybe. Okay? So we got to go back to the basics of, let me recenter myself. What's the most important thing? Love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. Love my neighbor as myself. You keep coming here, that you'll hear that forever. Because I'm still struggling with that. And I don't need you to find this one little, you know, the 617th commandment that the Pharisees, I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere near that. You know, glad you are. Hope you're still loving God and loving people. But we've got to focus on the main thing. And we get so distracted with that. But this is what's going to give us confidence. This is what's going to give us stability. This is what's going to anchor our home, our family, our life. And when everybody around us is being blown to smithereens, you're going to look at somebody who's standing firm, the house on the rock stood firm, and go, well, what did they do? What's their secret? It wasn't very secret. They just did the basic things that we're going to talk about. Because God promises we'll be blessed if we'll just do what Jesus says and what James says and what he says. He promises. So let me have you write these down. Grab your pen. How do I build my life on the rock of God's word? The number one thing I want you to write down is I have to treat God's word as a gift. As a gift. I treat God's word as a gift. Now I know, depending on the house you grew up in, family of origin, and depending upon the house of God you grew up in, your religious system, maybe the Bible's been used as a club, it's been used as a, as a sword, it's been used as a weapon against you, and people have quoted Scripture, out of context, at you, and you didn't know any better. You didn't know it was out of context, and you felt like you know, you're just boop, 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 beat up by the Bible. Listen, God's Word is a gift to His children. Now, don't just take my word for this. Isaiah 59, 21 says, The Lord says, the Lord, the Lord says, My people, I promise to give you my spirit and my word, and those will be my gifts to you and to your families. How long? Forever. God's word and his spirit is his gift to us, his children, forever. And then James adds on to what Isaiah says. He says, in the verse that Pam read, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Who does not change like shifting shadows? God never, never changes. His word never changes. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Do you realize that you are God's most important creation? You matter to God more than the birds. You just do. You matter to God more than the animals. You matter more than cows. You matter more than cats. You matter more than worms. Some of you need to say that. You know, I'm better than a worm. You really are. God loves you. You matter to him. You're the crown of his creation. Why? Because you've been made in his image in order to have a relationship with him. Every good gift and perfect present comes from God. Here's what he's saying about, James says five things about the word of God. I'm going to hit these really fast. Fill them in. First, he says God's word is good. It's good. What does that mean? He says it's a good gift. What is he saying when he says it's a good gift? Why is it good? Because it's beneficial to us. God did not give us his word for his benefit. God gave us his word for our benefit. It's beneficial to you and to me. If we're not reading his, his word, by the way, have I mentioned that we should read his, his word, read the Bible? I'm going to mention it about 30 times today. If we're not reading his word, then we're missing out on the benefits of God, the blessings of God. God's word is good. It's also perfect. That's the second thing I want you to fill in. God's word is perfect. So it's a perfect gift. What does that mean? Well, perfect actually means two things. First, perfect means it's infallible. It never, it's never wrong. There's no error in it. We, we can count on it. The second thing being perfect means is it is exactly what I need. It's exactly what we need. Have, any of you ever ex- receive a gift that you didn't need? 
It's like, I don't do that, right? I don't need that. Now, don't point at anybody if someone gave you that gift. Anybody ever receive an imperfect gift? You know, it just wasn't the right thing for you. I had somebody last year bought me a polo shirt. It was a unique polo shirt, and they bought me a shirt. Um, and it was a huge compliment. It only had one X. And um, I thought, Whew, wow, you know, they're clueless. Um, I need at least another X. X and a half, maybe. You'll get that someday or when you get bigger. Um, really nice shirt. Didn't do me any good. Was missing an X or two. I mean, yeah, someday, maybe, you know, for my funeral, I'll wear it. Um, If you've ever been given a gift that was not right, didn't fit, wasn't you, you know what we're talking about. God's gift is perfect. His word's perfect. It's exactly what we need. Now, sometimes we feel like, well, I didn't need that. Don't want that. Yeah, nope. Try it on for size. You'll be surprised. It really does fit. So it's good. It's perfect. God's word is also true. It's true. He says it's the word of truth. This book will always tell me the right thing to do. Always. It will never lead me astray. Never. It is always correct. It will teach me the truth. And as Jesus says, the truth is what sets us free. Fourth thing. God's word is unchanging. It's unchanging. He, he, God never changes and his word never changes. And I get it. You have people that will say, well, you know, that was written thousands of years ago. You know, that surely doesn't apply now. Well, here's the thing, guys. It was written thousands of years ago by the guy who's already been to the future. He's back to the future now. Okay, let that marinate in your brain a little bit. So when God wrote it down several thousand years ago, when James was right, listen, when James was writing these words in the first century, God already had one eye on COVID-19. God knew we were going to be going through this in 2020 when James wrote this down in the first century. And God's like, hey, James, write this little thing right there. And James like, what's that got to do with it? Just write it down. This isn't your words. These are my words. God's word is unchanging. You ever get one of those gifts? We all got those gifts that wear out. You ever get those gifts that, you know, either they wore out, they rusted out, they faded out, they broke down. I mean, some of the gifts that you really wanted when you were a kid. One of my favorite gifts, a clock radio. Anybody get a clock radio for Christmas? We don't use those anymore, do we? Now we have... We don't want to say her name very loud because all the people's TVs at home just started bling, 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 right? Like, don't say her, you know. This is a gift that never changes but never wears out. It never becomes outdated like some of the gifts we experience. It's unchanging. Last thing God's word is life-giving. Life-giving. He uses the phrase, God chose to give us birth by giving us his word. God gave us his word. He didn't give his word to horses. He didn't give his word to cows. He didn't give his word to ants. That's what makes us different than the animals is we are created in his image and we are created with the ability to get to know him. To love God and to be loved by God. We were given his word. If we didn't, weren't given his word, how would we know him? How could we love him? Romans 5.4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. I'm going to have you circle three words. So that through the endurance, circle endurance, through the endurance taught in the scriptures, and the encouragement, circle encouragement, and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Circle hope. I want you to draw lines between those three words. Hook them all together. Endurance, encouragement, and hope. Everybody today needs endurance, encouragement, and hope, don't they? All your friends, all your family members, even your Facebook friends, some of them need it really bad. Endurance, encouragement, and hope. Everything in this book, 
was written to give us hope. Even the parts we don't understand, even the parts that kind of cramp our style, even the parts that are like, well, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I agree, I don't understand that. Through this book, you're given endurance. Endurance means the ability to keep on keeping on. Folks, you're going to need endurance to make it through the rest of this year. Aren't you tired? I'm tired. Sick and tired, to tell the truth. And it also gives encouragement. You're going to need encouragement to get through the rest of 2020. Those are the two things that we need the most right now in this pandemic. We need encouragement. Three things, really, because hope is what we need. We need encouragement and we need endurance that gives us hope that we're going to make it through. And let me just say it this way. Look, if you don't have any endurance, if you're, like, ready to quit, like a lot of us are, that's because you're, you're not in his word enough. If you're discouraged, meaning I don't have encouragement, I'm discouraged, not encouraged, you're not in his word enough. If you're losing hope, you're not in his word enough. And you may be pushing back and go, but Jerry, you said in 40 days of prayer three years ago, you said, I just need five or ten minutes a day. I've been doing my five or ten minutes a day. You said in 40 days in the word, I just need five or ten minutes a day. You said in 40 days of purpose, I just need five or ten. I've been doing my five or ten minutes a day. And, and I'm still discouraged and I'm, I'm ready to quit and I've lost my hope. Here's the thing. If you're discouraged and you need encouragement, or you're, you need endurance because you're tired, or you're down and you need hope, you need to be in his word. But I'm in five or ten minutes a day. You probably need to triple that during this time. You need triple the endurance just to make it. You need triple the encouragement. You need triple the hope. I know I told you, only five or ten minutes a day. That was to gear you up for this year so that you could do more. How much more? You keep reading God's word until you feel encouraged, until you have endurance, until you have hope. Keep reading it. That's how much more. Okay? It tells me when we get that way that we need more. So the first way I build my life on God's word, the first way I put my life on the rock, my family on the rock, is i got to treat God's word as a blessing. Realize it's priceless. Number two, I have to humbly accept whatever God says. We fill that in, I humbly accept whatever God says. Even though I might not understand it, even though it might be hard for me, even though it might seem crazy, even though it might seem dated, I humbly accept whatever God says. So first I accept this as a gift, then I humbly accept whatever it says. James puts it this way, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And humbly accept, circle humbly accept, the word God has planted. Circle the word planted. We're going to come back to this word planted. It's an interesting word. The word that God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Do you need your souls saved? It's right, it's right in here, how to have your soul saved. You humbly accept the word of God that he's planted in your heart. The Bible often talks about God's word being planted. It's like a, it's like a gardening term. That he's planting seeds in our heart, seeds of his word in our heart, and seeds of his word in our mind. He says, I want you to humbly accept what I'm planting in your mind and planting in your heart. And that word in the Greek is actually a hospitality term. It means to, to warmly welcome with open arms the stranger that you welcome into your house. So that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to say to God, God, I'm about to read your word, and I'm inviting you to come on in, to plant your word in my life, in my heart, in my mind, in my soul, and I'm welcoming it in, even though it's a stranger to me. I don't even know what you're going to say. But notice it says we have to do some weeding before we do some seeding and some feeding, doesn't it? In order to humbly accept God's word in my heart, first I've got to clean some stuff out. It says to get rid of the filth and the stuff. I've got to clean out do some spring cleaning. I've got to take out the garbage. Do you guys take out the garbage at your house? Once or twice a week, our garbage guy comes twice, twice a week. I have no idea what day he comes. I don't have to know because I get a note, a post-it on my clock that's not a radio. Um, Nancy writes trash and sticks that on my clock. And when I go to bed and realize, ooh, trash day. Um, anyways, it's like Sunday or Monday night, Tuesday or Wednesday night or something like that. And I see that, and I just take it out. 
I don't even have to know. I just do what the note says. Maybe some of you should try that. It's very effective in our home. And I take the trash out twice a week. I think it's twice a week. Could be three times. If she puts a note up there three times, I'm going to, you know, she could have, I could be the only one out there with trash cans out there for Saturday night, for all I know. I just do what the note says. Some of you, maybe that's what you need is a note. I'm about to write you a note of what you need to do, okay? Now, many people have been using their isolation time, it's kind of interesting to me, to, to do some spring cleaning. Have you done some spring cleaning? Uh, anybody clean out their garage during this whole time we've been, you know, some of you, some of you. The reason why I know people have been cleaning out their garage, they're so proud of their garage, they clean it, and then they post 30 pictures on Facebook. Have you noticed this? Of their clean garage. And I'm suspicious of some of you. Because it's like, that doesn't even look like your house. You know? I'm like, are, I think they're going to iStock and they're like getting a clean garage and they're just posting it on there. Because I'm thinking, there's mountains behind your house in Florida. You know, I don't, I don't think that, you know. I mean, I mean, there are people posting their garage pictures on Facebook, I think, with like fall leaves on the ground. It's not even fall yet. And I'm thinking, how, how, do we, how do we verify? Some of you have cleaned out your garage. Maybe anybody clean out a closet or two? Junk drawer, at least? You No, no, you haven't been doing nothing. Here's the interesting thing. This word, filth, it's a gross word. I'm just going to gross you out, okay? Not me, the Bible. The Bible's going to gross you out. The word in Greek means earwax. Yeah, earwax. You know what earwax is? You ever take one of those Q-tips and you get it in there real good, you swirl it around, and you pull this gunky, like, stuff out. It's like this black and orange, and, I mean, it's just nasty, just gross. And you pull it out, and you have this desire to, no, you know, you wouldn't want to do that. You don't know what I'm talking about. I've asked all the ushers to pass out some used Q-tips. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm only kidding. No. People at home are going, I ain't ever going back to church, you know. I mean, isn't that gross? You know what I mean? The gunk. So, so he says, he says, you got to get rid of all this evil and filth out of your life if you're going to hear from me. It's like earwax. If your ears are impacted with nasty, gunky, gross wax, you can't hear me. This is why the word is so gross, and that's what it means. You get that stuff out of your life, and now you can hear my word being spoken to you. Before you meet with God, you've got to clear out some of this junk. How do you do that? You do that by confession. You just admit it. Confession clears out the filth and the gunk. And you say, God, I'm getting ready to read your word. I want to humbly accept what you have to say. But before the seeding and the feeding, I've got to do some weeding. And this is the junk that I need to confess because God's word is a gift and I'm going to humbly accept what it says. The third thing that James says to do is to study it and then do whatever it says. Study it and do. Verse 22, it says, 22 to 25, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if... You listen to the word and don't obey. It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see, you see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Circle, God will bless you. If we want to be blessed in whatever we do in the middle of this COVID crisis, then we need to do the four things that James teaches us in these four verses. He says God's going to bless. If you want God to bless whatever we do, here's some conditions. There's a premise that goes with this blessing. God says if you do these four things, I'm going to bless your life. Here's those four. In those four verses I just read, James gives us four things. The first thing I've got to do is listen to God's word. That's the first thing I've got to listen that's how, one of the ways you start to build your life on God's word is you've got to listen. That's what you're doing right now. You're listening to the word of God. We're going through James. We've read some stuff in, in Matthew. There's a verse or two from Psalms. There was a couple of verses from Romans. Now, here's the problem with just listening. If all you listen is just to Jerry read some scripture on Sunday morning, that's awesome. But here's the thing. You're going to forget 90 to 95% of what I say in 72 hours. 95% of what I say 
you're going to forget. No matter how good it is. Now, hopefully you're going to remember the gunky part. When you do your ears the next time, you're going to remember that. That's why I wanted to gross you out really good. That'll be the, that'll be the 5% you remember. And so if you're just sitting and you're not taking any notes, you're going to forget 72 you're going to forget in 72 hours, you're going to forget most of what we, 90% of what we talked about. So I need more. Listening starts, but I need more than that. Second thing James says to do is I've got to study God's word. He says, keep looking carefully. Fill out the word study. Study. Keep work looking carefully. What does that mean? Looking carefully. You've got to look at the word. You've got to study it. You've got to dig for it. Look carefully. You've got to search you want to know the difference between reading God's Word, have I mentioned we should read God's Word, and studying God's Word? There's only one difference, one word, pen. You read God's Word, no pen, no pencil needed. You study God's Word when you pick up a pen and you write down what God's saying. You write something down. What you write down, you remember ten times more. That's why I have these outlines. That's why I'm always saying, circle this, circle this, circle this. Because you're like zoning out, and I say, circle this, and you're like, wake up and circle, and you're back, you're back with us. Welcome back to the planet. Glad you're here. And it's like automatic. You get trained into taking notes and writing things down. That's studying. You write it down. If you don't write anything down, you're just reading it. Nothing wrong with reading it. Nothing wrong with listening to it, but studying it builds you stronger. Number four, fourth thing he says i got to do what God's Word says. James, long before Nike, said, just do it. You know, and he says this theme over and over in his book. you got to do what God's Word says. It doesn't matter how much you know. There's no Bible trivia contest to get into heaven. It's not about what you know. It's about what you do. Well, I know about God. I know I'm supposed to love God. But, yeah, do you love Him? Have you doed it yet? Remember James, he says a lot of people when they read the Bible, it's like they look in the mirror and then they walk away and forget they didn't do anything. What's a mirror for? So you can look in and go, Wah! and straighten some of that out. It's like, man, my hair needs combing or a haircut. And if you don't ever do anything, man, look, look, what's that? Uh, oh, I got a bunch of spinach in my teeth. God's like, listen. If you're going to look in my word, you know, you, you, you need to look in my word and go, whoa, i got to comb this hair and whoa, i, I got to finish that, you know, on my teeth. And, and if, if you don't pay attention, it does you no good to look in the mirror of his word. The Bible reflects back and gives an accurate reflection of what we look at based on what God's word is. And when we don't line up with, hmm, then he says you need to do that. You need to make the changes so that when you look in God's word, this is what you see as yourself. Finally, he says to memorize God's word. If I'm going to build, I've got to, I've got to read it. I've got to listen to it. I've got to study it. I've got to do it. I've got to memorize it. He says don't forget. Make sure you never forget. How do we not forget? We memorize. Now, you don't have to memorize the whole Bible. You just got to memorize a couple of verses that are meaningful. So here's what I want you to do. Every time you have a verse that really means something to you, I want you to write it down on a 3 by 5 card. And I want you to keep that with you and review it. The key to memorizing is say it out loud. I told you this back in 40 days in the Word, 40 days of purpose, 40 days of prayer. Some of you carried that keychain around and you, you said, I can't memorize Pastor Ed, I've never been able to memorize. You can do it. You just read it. Read the address. Read the verse. Read the address. Many of you, you memorized six verses back in January in 40 Days of Purpose. Maybe the first time ever. You see, we memorize what's important to us. You know, when I was a kid, you had to memorize people's phone numbers. All your friends, you had to have their numbers memorized. Because now you don't ever have to do that. You just say, hey, Siri, shh, don't say that because I don't want to wake her up. But you say, hey, Siri, call so-and-so, and they do it for you. You don't have to memorize anything now. But, but I mean, the millennials have no idea. We, could, we memorize hundreds of phone numbers. 
You know, you memorized it. And if you didn't have it memorized, you had to have a phone directory you carried around with you. Nobody did that. First of all, the phones were wired to the walls, so you could just leave it by the phone. And, and in, our, in our family, it was a long, skinny, purple one, and that was all the numbers of everything that was important. I mean, if there was a fire at our house, it wasn't running to get the pictures. It was running to get the phone directory, you know, because we don't know. Those are all the numbers we didn't have memorized that you had to have. There was no Google back then. They, did, they delivered these giant books that got wet, you know. Then you, had to, you had to pay somebody. You had to... 411, you call up a dollar fifteen and say, hey, Siri, Siri's predecessor, can you give me the number to such and such? You know, I mean, you memorize numbers. Some of you, you've memorized box scores for baseball, statistics for 30 years. Some of you, you have memorized stock transactions. You can tell me about the crash in 89. You can tell me about the, the crash in 08 and what your stock went to, what it went up to. And you, we memorize what's important to us. Some of you, you have the lyrics to a hundred songs memorized, or what you think are the lyrics of a hundred songs. You have your own little lyrics memorized. Don't Google that. That'll break your heart. Don't go break into my heart. Yep, see, we have all these, all these songs. You can memorize scripture. You can memorize phone numbers, baseball statistics, song lyrics. You can memorize scripture. Don't tell yourself See, that's what we do. We're like, well, I can't memorize the whole Bible, so I might as well not even try. That's an excuse. Nobody's asking you to memorize the whole Bible. But a verse a week, you can do that. A verse a week is 50 verses a year. It's 500 verses in 10 years. Some of you have been a Christian for 10 years. You should have 500 verses easily memorized. The Bible is worth remembering. And by the way, when you review it and you think about it a lot, that's called meditation. I don't have time to talk about meditation very much. I just want to mention this one thing about meditating. Meditating is you just think about it over and over again. Some of you, how many of you know how to worry? Any, any worriers in the room? Yes. Worrying is you think about a worst-case scenario. You think about something bad that might happen, and you think about it, think about it, think about it over and over and over and over again. Some of you are professional worriers. If you're professional warriors, congratulations, you're going to be the best meditators around. Because meditating is just thinking about God's word over and over and over again. So if you were to think about tomorrow, if you were to, if you were to think about maybe you have a rock in your yard and think, you know, that story Jesus talked talk about, the wise man built his house upon a rock, rains came tumbling down, or it rains this week, and the rains came tumbling down, man, Jesus, or, you know, you see somebody, you, you go over to the sand, you go over to the beach, you see sand. If you were to think about that story over and over again, three times a day for the next 15 days, for the next week or so, that's... That's meditating on God's word. I'm telling you, if you would think about Jesus' story over and over again this, this week, you're going to start making the choice that I want to build my life on this. I don't want to splat, right? So let me just give you one quick promise about this. John, Joshua 1.8 says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed. Circle prosper and succeed in all that you do. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you want to prosper? Don't you want to succeed? This is the only promise of success in the Bible. God says, if you'll do this one thing, meditate on my word day and night, obey it, then you will prosper and succeed in everything that you do. So I want you to practice these steps. Listen to the word. There's podcasts out there. If you haven't caught up all four lessons from James, you can go on our website, go to blog. It'll give you the blogs to listen to. You can download on your phone to listen or you can watch them. Catch up if you haven't caught up. Read God's Word. Have I mentioned lately that we need to read God's Word? Memorize a verse. Take that outline. Take one of the verses, whichever one. It doesn't matter which one. Pick one. Memorize that one. Meditate on it. Take everything you've circled. Hold on to that this week and think through those. Think through the story Jesus told. Think of um, what James is saying about the, the mirror thing. Think about all of these things that we've circled. It says the wise man or the wise woman built her house upon the rock. Are you wise enough to live in the safety, the stability of the rock? On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. During this pandemic, 
the wise thing to do to build your house, to build your life, to build your family, to build your marriage on the solid rock that's not going to change. Let me just close with what Jesus said. I read this at the beginning, Matthew 7. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who built a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against it, that house, it will collapse with a mighty splat. What are you building your life on? You're building your life on pop culture? You're building your life on what the media says? You're building your life on personal opinion, what you want? You're going to build your life on what all your Facebook friends say? Or are you going to build your life, your marriage, your family, your home, your house on the solid rock. Let me pray for you. With our heads bowed right now, let me just lead you in a prayer. And why don't you just say it in your own mind. If you're here in this room, you don't have to say it out loud, just in your own mind. If you're alone at home watching, you can even pray this out loud and just say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus Christ, as much as I know how, I open my life to you. Maybe you're saying that for the first time, and maybe you need to say that again for the first time in a long time. Jesus Christ, I open my life to you. Just say that. I want to build my life on the solid rock of your word. I want to build my marriage. I want to build my family. I want to build my life on the solid rock of your word. I don't want to build my life on popular opinion or what culture says. I don't want to build my life on the opinions of other people, especially my Facebook friends. But I want to be anchored to the rock so that I have stability in the storms of life that come and the storm of life I'm in right now. So I open my life to you, Jesus Christ. I humbly accept your word into my life and your spirit into my life. If you've already done that, then say, God, thank you for putting your word and your spirit in my life. I'm humbly accepting today your word, and I'm asking you to help me to become a person of the word. That during this time, I can spend time in your word more than I have been. That I can know you, love you. And become a man or a woman of your word. And I'm asking you to accept me into your family by your grace. Or if you've already done that, say, God, I thank you for accepting me into your family by your grace. And I'm putting my faith in you. During this storm, during 2020, during whatever this world sends my way. It's in your name I pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. Help us to be a church full of people of your word. Help us to stand firm because we're putting our lives, building our lives on the solid rock. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.